98K News. Good afternoon, it's one o'clock, I'm Todd Harding. The headlines. The lawyer for a university professor accused of murdering his wife and daughter has told a high court jury his client had no motive. The Hong Kong National Party is running out of time to respond to the government's plan to ban it. And the observatory says it may issue the standby signal number one as early as tonight as super typhoon Mangkut powers towards Hong Kong. The lawyer for a Chinese university professor accused of murdering his wife and daughter has told a high court jury there was no possible motive for his client to kill and the prosecution evidence was full of flaws. Maggie Ho reports. Senior counsel Gerald McCoy made the comment in his final submission defending Cole Kim Sun, who's alleged to have poisoned his wife and daughter in 2015 by placing a yoga ball filled with carbon monoxide in his wife's car. The lawyer noted that prosecution had suggested he killed his wife as he wanted her money and he was having an affair with a student. But Mr. McCoy said the money motive was a hopeless thing to advance and the wife knew and had come to terms with the professor's girlfriend. Mr. McCoy also said the evidence was weak about the key exhibit, the yoga ball. He said photos of the car spoots where the ball was found were taken hours after police first arrived at the scene and people had moved things around. The hearing continues. The pro-independence Hong Kong National Party has until 5pm to respond to the government's plan to ban it under the society's ordinance. Authorities say the party hasn't submitted any rebuttal against the plan. Party convener Chan Ho Tin has told RTHK through a telephone message that he will address the issue later. The Secretary for Security, John Lee, said in July that police recommended the ban out of national security concerns. The observatory says it may issue the standby signal number one as early as tonight as super typhoon Mangkut heads towards Hong Kong. It still has to pass over the north of the Philippines before it enters the South China Sea. The eye of the typhoon is now expected to come ashore in the northern province of Cagayan very early tomorrow morning. Here's our Manila correspondent Alan Robles. Three million people are directly at risk, but the typhoon is at least 900 kilometers wide. So the typhoon could affect the whole eastern coastline of Luzon. And it will bring floods, landslides, mudslides, storm surges. It will destroy buildings and roads. And it will literally blot out power and communications infrastructure. We, we've experienced this before and we expect it to happen again. And this is a super typhoon. Yeah, last night, the wind speeds were approaching 270 kilometers per hour, so people are going to expect that it's going to be much worse. The government here says it'll open 48 emergency shelters once the strong wind signal number three is issued. Mangkut is expected to be closest to Hong Kong on Sunday. And as Leung Wing Mo from the Hong Kong Meteorological Society explains, it may not weaken much after crossing the Philippines. Right now, the intensity is estimated to be 240 kilometers per hour. And then after crossing Luzon, after crossing the Philippines, the maximum wind speed dropped to 205. So there is some degree of weakening of that typhoon. But because the South China Sea is a big ocean and uh, there is still ample chances for the typhoon to re-intensify. And the other thing is that even at now, it's forecast to be around 200 kilometers south-southwest of Hong Kong at the closest approach. We have examples in the past history that even at such distances, super typhoons can still wreak havoc in Hong Kong. 
The chief executive, Carrie Lam, says the government is making all the necessary preparations ahead of the onslaught of super typhoon Mankud. She urged those living in low-lying areas such as Tai O and Lei Yumun to take all precautionary measures against possible flooding. She added that the government will arrange for coaches to evacuate Tai O residents if there's a need. Mrs Lam stressed her administration isn't taking any chances. We have a duty as a government to make all the necessary uh, preparations. Uh, the preparations uh, include mobilizing all the relevant departments to take precautionary measures. It also includes that during the typhoon, we need to be able to uh, respond effectively in order to mitigate any damage or any loss of life and injuries. And uh, the third um, prong of our strategy is after the typhoon, I also have given the instruction that we should uh, restore the city back to its normal state as soon as possible. When asked if newly constructed major infrastructure like the Hong Kong Zhuhai Macau Bridge will be safe under powerful winds, Mrs. Lam stressed all infrastructure are designed to withstand a certain level of natural disaster. Drainage services staff are clearing drains at 100 and 50 flood-prone spots around Hong Kong in an effort to minimise flooding when the typhoon hits. The chief engineer of the drainage services department, Edwin Lau, says flood barriers are also being set up at high-risk areas, such as Lei Yu Mun, and barriers are being given to residents there to protect their homes from flood water. It's expected that the rainfall and also the strength of the storm is strong. Low-lying areas in Hong Kong may be easily attacked by the storm surge area, and the flooding risk may be high at the low-lying area, and those areas that may have an improved drainage system, and also the location with gullies and road drains that may be easily bothered by the rubbish and the tree leaf, will take the preparation for the worst approach to handle this typhoon. Destructive winds whipped up by Hurricane Florence have begun to affect coastal regions of the United States of North and South Carolina. While the eye of the storm is still more than 100 kilometres offshore, the U.S. National Hurricane Center says storm surges and torrential rainfall causing flash flooding will very soon become a serious threat to life and property. Earlier, radio presenter Rachel Lewis-Hilburn spoke about the conditions in Wilmington, North Carolina. The rain has started. It's it's coming down in force. We are feeling tropical storm force wind gusts at this point. We're expecting to feel hurricane force winds, so we're starting to see the conditions deteriorate. We just heard from the governor a little while ago saying 30,000 people across the state are already without power, including some folks who live in the Wilmington area. So we expect that situation to deteriorate as well and see those numbers go up soon. A series of gas explosions have set fire to dozens of homes in the U.S. state of Massachusetts. The blasts in three towns north of Boston are thought to have been caused by the rupture of an overpressurized gas line from Columbia Gas. Officials in the town of North Andover have told all residents to evacuate their homes. The Massachusetts governor, Charlie Baker, said the safety of citizens was a top priority. The focus in the short term is to make sure that we do everything we can to provide shelter for people who need shelter, to provide safety in the communities that have been directly affected by this, and to speak with the folks at Columbia to make sure that everything we're doing and they're doing is going to ensure that these communities remain safe overnight and into tomorrow. The town manager, Andrew Mailer, said it would be some time before they would be able to return. We do not yet have a timeline. People should expect this is going to be a while before they're going to be able to return to their home. And always err on the side of protecting themselves and their families. Take the safe route, go to the shelters, communicate with 911 if they have any particular questions.
At least three people are reported to have been injured there, one of them a firefighter. The Pope has met senior U.S. bishops amid continuing tensions over sexual abuse by American clergy. In a statement issued after the meeting, the bishops said the U.S. church has been lacerated by the evil of abuse. Pope Francis has faced criticism for his handling of the crisis, and a former Vatican diplomat has accused him of covering up one case. The Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives, Paul Ryan, who's a practicing Catholic, said complete transparency was essential. First, we need to think about the victims, and we need to make sure that the victims get the help they need. Second, the last thing that this needs to be is become relegated to a fight between the Catholic left and the Catholic right. This needs to be elevated to truth and justice. The British government has described a Russian television interview by the two suspects in the Salisbury nerve agent attack as full of lies and blatant fabrications. Alexander Petrov and Ruslan Boshirov insisted they weren't intelligence officers, but businessmen who'd gone on a trip to visit Salisbury Cathedral. They said the fact they were in the city when the former Russian spy Sergei Skripal and his daughter Yulia were attacked was a fantastical coincidence. The chairman of the British Parliamentary Foreign Affairs Committee, Tom Tugendhat, says their explanation they were tourists doesn't ring true. It's a pretty strange day when a couple of Russians who look pretty fit and healthy are afraid of a bit of slush and snow, which seems to be their excuse for not having been to Stonehenge. It's clearly just a pack of lies. And and the problem is that this is part of a long pattern of Russian disinformation that we've seen, uh, in fact, since all this started in March. Pakistan's top diplomat in Britain has been called back to Islamabad to explain his strange behaviour at a TV awards ceremony. Saheb Zara Ahmed Khan was seen behaving erratically on stage. Here's the BBC's Arif Ansari. People gathering for the International Pakistan Prestige Awards at the O2 in London were hoping for a good show, and just after midnight, they got one. Some mistook Sahib Zada Ahmed Khan for a comedian. In fact, he was Pakistan's High Commissioner, the country's public face in the UK. As he wandered around the stage, shouting into a microphone, the audience laughed and filmed his antics. Pakistan's Foreign Minister, Shah Mahmood Qureshi, was less amused when he watched the video on social media. He's ordered him home to explain what happened. Scientists who discovered that riding on certain types of roller coaster can be an effective way of removing kidney stones have been rewarded at this year's Ig Nobel Prize ceremony at Harvard University. The prizes are given for genuine, published scientific research, which nevertheless makes people laugh. The BBC's Palab Ghosh has the story. The inspiration behind this unusual research began a few years ago when a kidney stone sufferer was enjoying the thrills of the Big Thunder Mountain ride at Disney World in Florida when he felt something move. One of his stones had become dislodged. On hearing the story, his doctor, Professor David Wartinger of Michigan University, began an investigation into the effectiveness of roller coasters as a medical treatment for the condition. Professor Wartinger built a model of his patient's renal system, including some artificial stones, and took it with him on numerous rides. To finance news, a short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 27,224. That's 210 points up on the previous close. Turnover stands at $47.4 billion. To currencies, the US dollar is trading at 111.80 yen. The euro is standing at 1 US dollar and 16 cents. And the pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 29 cents. And now with the sports news, here's Atom Chung.
We start with baseball. The Colorado Rockies have opened a two-game lead in the National League West after back-to-back -back wins over division rivals Arizona. The Rockies won 10-3 at Coors Field with home runs by Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story. Arenado became the fourth third baseman in Major League history to reach 30 home runs and 100 RBIs. Story's 33rd homer put him past Troy Tulowitzki for most by a shortstop in Rockies history. The LA Dodgers trailed them by two games. The Dodgers also trailed St. Louis by two games in the wildcard race after beating the Cardinals 9-7. Elsewhere, the Chicago Chicago Cubs got past the Washington Nationals 5-4 in 10 innings. MVP candidate Javier Baez drove in the winning run with a bunt single. The Cubs go one and a half games up on the Milwaukee Brewers in the NL Central. On to news of a blockbuster trade in the NHL. The San Jose Sharks have acquired Sweden's all-star defenseman Eric Carlson from the Ottawa Senators, adding a world-class player to a team that now expects to contend for the Stanley Cup. In return, the Senators get a package that includes a first-round draft pick to help their rebuild. Carlson is a two-time Norris Trophy winner for NHL's best defenseman. To Las Vegas, where Gennady Golovkin's rematch with Saul Alvarez is being hailed as the fight of the century and the biggest in the sport of boxing. The middleweight pair's first fight back in September 2017 was controversially scored a draw. The executive director of the Nevada State Athletic Commission, Bob Bennett, acknowledges that the judges then made a mistake in the way they scored the fight and that they must do better on Saturday. You can never anticipate that human error. You can do all the things possible, such as how many times has a judge had championship fights under the bright lights of Las Vegas, the fight capital of the world, and how have they performed under those stressful conditions. So we have three terrific judges. Uh, both camps are very happy with them. We work very diligently to accommodate both camps because, we, like I said, we didn't live up to our expectation in the last fight. Hong Kong's women's squash team, who won gold at the Asian Games last month, are through to the knockout stage at the World Championship taking place in Dadian. The team of Annie Ao, Ho Tsi Lok, and Joey Chan beat South Africa in three straight matches to progress as runners-up in their group. They face the United States in today's quarterfinals. And Hong Kong's rugby sevens team are back in action for the first time since winning gold at the Asian Games. The city is hosting the first leg of the Asia Rugby Sevens series at the football club. Hong Kong take on Malaysia and Korea this afternoon and will face the Philippines to wrap up the group stage tomorrow. And that's your look at sports. Thanks, Adam. To end the news, the top stories once again. The lawyer for a university professor accused of murdering his wife and daughter has told a high court jury his client had no motive. The Hong Kong National Party is running out of time to respond to the government's plan to ban it, and the observatory says it may issue the standby signal number one as early as tonight as Super Typhoon Mankut thunders towards Hong Kong. The news from RTHK. Yeah, yeah, yeah.